Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Text Message with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And we were just, well, we actually spent the last 20 minutes ahead of the show's recording talking about discounted hard drives, which it turns out is a lot more interesting than you might think, assuming that you think it is incredibly boring, because <laughs> it's not that boring, but it is fairly boring. It's is not that... boring. No, it's not boring. It's not boring if you are a geek. Which I Who am. Who is this show for? Well, this is the question that we ask ourselves on a weekly basis. Flipping supermodels, is it? I mean, I'm not saying that supermodels can't be geeks, but it's not primarily for supermodels. If our surveys that we do for our listeners is anything to go by, we have a total of zero supermodels listening to our program, which is a shame, <laughs> but it also proves that you are very likely to be correct. Well, they might be trying to fly under the radar, I suppose. They might be. But they've missed out on a massive saving on 16 terabyte wow. professional hard drives, and that's their that's their loss. That is. You're their... assuming that they would be patrons. Well, I'd like to think that they would be. Certainly, I feel that all of our patrons are incredibly photogenic yeah. and and, and well, beautiful. Well, John says, "Speak for yourself, Ian," which I yeah. think is fair. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is fair. Well, it's been a fair week, and although not as interesting as some weeks, certainly more interesting than others. I think that's a fair way of um, just making sure everyone <laughs> is prepared for this run-of-the-mill run-of-story. No, I'm kidding. It's actually been a really interesting week. It's fine. Week. It's, been, it's been fine. I, I it think has. We've it got has. some good stuff to talk about today. There is. Well, let's 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 pick the first one here. Uh, the Telegraph wrote this week that Amazon has started installing cameras with artificial intelligence that monitor delivery drivers inside its vans. Uh, it's in the UK specifically. It's using two cameras to record footage from its Amazon branded vans. So that's not the the ones that drive around that's basically someone in his car who, side note, the other day um, had obviously brought his kid with him. Because the delivery of whatever the package was, although I could see in the car was driven by a by an adult, uh, the actual delivery was given to me by who I assume was his son, um, or at least someone's son uh, who he got permission what, so like from. A a a youngster. Yeah, as in my that voice is... hasn't broken. My daddy's too lazy to get out of the car. Level child. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah, I mean, he was very sweet. He was like, "Here's your package." Like, that can't thanks. be allowed, surely. Well, I don't know. I remember when I was in Rotherham having a paper round. This was when I was... God, how old were I? How old are you when you do a paper round? Uh, well, you ask, you're asking the wrong man. I did mine up until I was like 25 or something. All right. Nine or ten. I do remember there were at least a few days where I got my mum to drive me around because either I was being lazy or the weather was bad. Or both. Probably both. Fair. Anyway, um, that's that. The fact is, it's not going in those cars. Um, it's going in the ones that have the Amazon Prime logos on the side. Um, and they will look out onto the road, as to be expected, perhaps. But uh, they'll also look inside the cabin. This is, again, according to the Telegraph write-up. Now, they're meant to detect dangerous behaviour. 
This includes hard braking, speeding, driver distraction. <coughs> isn't, uh, so isn't hard braking kind of sort of the opposite of dangerous driving? I mean, if you're hard braking, it's to surely stop you from having an accident. Potentially, but it could also just be you're trying to get through the red light and damn, it changed too quickly. Slam on the brakes. Anyway, uh, it sends you voice alerts if you breach these standards. That's the that's the thing. So it's it's AI. It's not just filming you. It is also monitoring Does your it use driving. Alexa's voice? Don't know what noise it uses, um, but the cameras sorry, are... It, it, apparently they are supposed to switch off when the you know when the ignition's off of, of of the car and drivers will receive scores apparently for driving safely now this is all about the uk but this rollout isn't without precedent uh, in a way at least amazon's been doing the same in the us for about a year um maybe a little longer if you include a trial and i did some googling on this just to find out exactly what's been going on there's a vice article i found from february of last year that's 2021 if you're listening in the future uh, which reported that Amazon was using a system called Netradyne, which is the most um, dystopian name of a company I can mm. think of for monitors. Sounds, if that sounds, came up in a video game or movie, you wouldn't think twice about it being it, it, a, an evil yeah. corporation, would you? It's Deus Ex or, or something. Uh, and anyway, it's called Driver I, which is driver and then the letter I, um, which apparently will help, quote, improved driver behavior through, quote, audible driver coaching. Indeed, lols at the ready. Um, driver I uh, is activated by multiple uh, multitude of signals. I'm going here off this Vice article again. Links in the show notes, uh, uktechshow.com. Um, it triggers the surveillance system. That's things like your speeding, uh, failing to stop at a sign, hard braking, as we mentioned, acceleration, uh, seatbelt compliance, U-turns, stuff like that. Uh, then videos of those infractions are uploaded um, and that is then potentially monitored. I don't think it's real time. I don't think anyone like Amazon can just dial in and watch someone driving in real time. Um, however, there's another report. This is from March last year from Reuters, um, which had an account of at least one driver quitting directly as a result of this because he'd been told he either had to sign his consent or seek other work, which isn't great. Um, I dug up a comment that Amazon had from last year at the time uh, who says, Netrodyne, I'm going to summarize because actually it's a bit tedious. Netrodyne cam cameras are used to help keep drivers and the communities where we deliver safe. Um, she said they piloted the technology between April and October 2020. Um, and they saw a lot of improvements. Accidents were down 48%. Uh, stop sign violations were down 20%. Driving without a seatbelt decreased 60%. And driving uh, while distracted decreased 45%. Um, percent. And then she also had a line, and I'll read this verbatim. Don't believe the self-interested critics who claim these cameras are intended for anything other than safety. That is kind of like uh, walking up to someone. That's and, fighting talk right there, isn't it? Well, it's like walking up to somebody and saying, hello, my name is Nate. Um, I'm not a murderer. How nice to meet you. All you think is, Nate's a murderer. <laughs> because why would you say that otherwise? Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point is, they're bringing, this, they're bringing this to the UK, and it's not gone down very well with drivers in the US. But they are still doing it, and um, and it has made things safer. The question is, of course, Ian, and the reason for talking about this is, 
if this was in your work environment, yeah, would you be comfortable no. with it? No. No. Absolutely not. I mean, why would you be? I mean, even even if we discount anything that is safety related, I feel like, you know, if you're in your if you're in a car driving, you do have some right to um not be watched like it you know you might you might mutter to yourself you might sing uh you might have um i don't know a a break where you sit at the side of the road and eat your lunch or you might call your wife or whatever you know i I feel like these are all things that no employer has any right to see and I, i just i just feel like that that alone is enough of a reason not to do it also amazon drivers are not well paid um why are they spending probably millions and millions of dollars on this kind of technology and not just simply paying drivers properly and making sure they're well, uh, th- that they've maybe done an additional driving test or something? They like could set something up internally and make sure that everyone they're hiring is a good and safe driver. Like, you know, why not just use this money rather than creating dystopia to actually make things better for people? Well, one of the, I mean, your your comment is in line with some of the criticisms that I saw of this, which is that the reason that maybe some drivers are not obeying all the rules they should is because the pressures placed yeah, in a brush upon all them the time. is so great that they have to cut corners, literally yeah. and figuratively, perhaps. Yeah. And, and this is a response to that. You see it all the time. Like you, you, you see. I mean, it's, and this is not limited to Amazon. I've seen, I've seen all career companies drivers do ridiculous things. Like not necessarily dangerous, but like they'll park badly because they've got two minutes to get out of the van, get find the package in the back, get to your front door, get an answer out of you, hand the thing over, possibly take a photograph of it because that's the way the world is now, and then get back in the van. So I've seen, I've seen it happen near um, my kid's school. And um, you know, this, and this is during pickup time, so it's it's kind of it's it's dangerous and it's inconvenient because there's not a lot of space and there's already a lot of people driving to get their kids, um, you know, causing chaos. And it's because they don't have enough time. All of these things are, you know, Amazon cheaping out. Basically, they don't want to spend more money on drivers. They don't want to pay the drivers they've got sufficiently, and they don't want to invest in, you know, making sure that drivers are doing their job well like you know maybe random checks where someone comes out with you for the day the other thing is why does this need to be camera based like why why can't you have as you know if we accept that sudden braking and over speed is a problem why not just have a box that tracks that it doesn't need to be cameras does it well it could just be data some some of it isn't to do with um uh metrics that would be picked up by um by in-car telematics it's things like attentiveness and are you yawning a lot is your seatbelt on you know things things like that where it's probably easier to get a good reading from a broad selection of vehicles to shove a camera in it that knows what a seatbelt or a yawn looks like i'm <laughs> making those examples up but kind of no, no, but that's those are probably good examples then then it is to fit every vehicle with a specific system like that's that sort of system works very very well when it's fitted by a manufacturer because they know the exact specifications of a of a car but but you're aware right that all of that information is available on the odb2 bus and and is used extensively by insurance companies who have those black box systems 
I mean, obviously, you're, you're right. There's no detection for yawning in those things. Um, but again, you know, why is a why is a driver yawning? Probably well, overworked. A couple of other things that I found during my little research on this, and neither of us would profess to be experts on this technology, but it, it's interesting. No, but it's I am happening. the world's greatest driver, <laughs> uh, and I don't drive at all. So yeah. you know, I'm 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 the worst kind of critic in a way. <laughs> one of us is a liar, and one of us doesn't drive. Exactly. Um, this technology is not uncommon in haulage, in in big haulage systems. I found loads of examples of haulage companies installing systems not necessarily with the same level of sophistication as the one amazon's using but certainly comparable with as cameras far as, though with cameras in oh, in in the cabin with the driver and outside and not just one but if you do a google search i mean i, I was expecting to have to really dig around but i didn't i did a very very brief bit of googling and just found loads of companies loads of haulage firms in the uk um lots of people criticizing them certainly but lots of haulage firms saying look these are actually really useful uh, for several reasons um one of the things that came up as a reason for installing these and again this is something that may be a bit more specific to britain it may be not but i found this from um a uh, a, a kind of a what's it called um it's not an insurer it's the abi what's abi stand for um, the, Association of British Insurers. Yeah, exactly. It's it was basically about insurers because they were saying that this um, crash for cash um, scam is significantly on the rise. Not caused by Amazon, not caused by couriers, not caused by haulage uh, necessarily. It's it's a lot of the time it's a vehicle crashing into another vehicle um, to try and claim on on the insurance in in some way and so some of the reasons why companies are investing in these camera systems is to basically have a better defense that it wasn't their driver's fault when this happened Mm. Um, that's one of the reasons for this coming up there's no evidence that um that people are crashing into amazon vans to try and steal the stuff although i suppose by saying that i'm now suggesting that there could be but that's not what i've seen written about but i do wonder whether very broadly this isn't just about um, driver safety and uh, things on the Amazon side, but it is also just the increasing risk that is posed by having non-specialized vehicles carrying around often very expensive uh, and, and high quantities of very expensive goods. And that, you know, you've got to do everything you can to protect that. I still personally would be of the view that if I was driving these cars and I'm under high pressure and someone came to me and said, right, we're going to install cameras, visual light cameras in the cabin, um, is that okay? If not, by the way, maybe go and find another job. I'd be pretty annoyed. Um, But then going back to my original question about this, to to bring it back to something that we at least have some experience with, um, is how much are we all monitored at work anyway? Because certainly... You're supposed to be told, aren't you, though? If you're being well, monitored in Britain, I mean, we have basically the highest density of CCTV cameras. Oh, anywhere. sure, not an excuse, but it is just simply a fact. And in an office environment, certainly a very large corporate office environment, you sort of always have to assume that anything you do on your computer is being monitored, not in real time uh, no. by a person, but by some form of sure machine that's definitely true you know every website you visit you know most things like that you know what 
presumably what apps are loaded at any one time that kind of stuff yeah sure yeah um, but you you also sort of you do you accept a certain amount of it but it's not the same as your company and that and companies have tried this turning on your webcam all day and recording you or screen recording literally whatever you're doing on your laptop yeah which is which is not cool you know those all. things are different i don't mind you know my company looking at what i'm looking at on the internet or you know other kind of metrics like what time do i log in in the morning what time do i shut down in the evening you know that kind of stuff i may have a problem with that i don't have anything to hide i guess but also i think that's reasonable especially in days of working away and and also they have a duty of care to make sure that people are not doing things on work computers they shouldn't be doing um you know, uh, it, it's uh, it, it, that's not problematic. But you know, as soon as you start to throw in cameras, um, I start to feel like mm, that. Yeah, it's too much. It's just too much. Well, if you have a view on this, and um, we very much welcome any opinions from people who work in haulage or who drive for Amazon, or if um, if you've been approached to be informed that you're going to have this installed in in your van do please let us know hello at uktechshow.com as ever if you want to talk to us uh, anonymously do just mark um either not for publication or anonymous on background or, or or what have you send that to us um we're going to include all the links to the stories that we've talked about today in the show notes at uktechshow.com slash episodes look for episode 277 uh, which is this week's episode. Last week, I said it was 277. It wasn't. It was 276. This week, it actually is 277. Uh, the BBC is uh, going to have to make significant changes to its output to meet your budget shortfall. Uh, we've spoken before about government proposals for the BBC, but as it becomes clear that the corporation won't be getting any more money for the foreseeable future, its director-general has started to talk about cutbacks and how the BBC will look. The oft-used phrase, digital first, has emerged, uh, which is utterly meaningless in this day and age, but along with it came suggestions of killing a number of digital products. Uh, the big news uh, is the end of CBBC, the channel for older children, and the end of BBC4. Both channels from the digital era. Uh, they will both go online only, just weeks after BBC Three returned to the airwaves after a long period of being iPlayer only. Uh, also set to end are BBC Radio Five Live on medium wave and Radio Four on long wave. Uh, the former is probably a no-brainer, while the latter is a bit more troublesome. Radio Four long wave is, of course, home to the shipping forecast, which is used by mariners uh, to keep an eye on the weather at sea. Also closing will be Radio 4 Extra, which is basically an archive channel for Radio 4. Uh, the BBC will also seek to make the BBC News Channel and BBC World more aligned, eventually planning one global news product. In an all-hands staff meeting, Tim Davey, the uh, Director General, set out plans which will save a projected £500 million a year to cover what the BBC says will be a £285 million funding gap by 2027. The changes will also uh, result in the loss of 1,000 jobs. Nate, I don't know about you. I don't know what saving you can make by shutting Radio 4 Extra. That seems particularly ludicrous to me, as it's basically just MP3s on a server somewhere, presumably a little bit more complicated than that, but you get the idea. I could build it for them for two grand. Isn't Radio... Yeah, but, I mean, we live in a world where people will spend millions on a logo, you know. You can't trust people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
with uh, with spending money. Yeah, well, um, the BBC spent some money on a logo that I hate, so they could have just not done that. Yeah, and um, th- I mean the the one that stands out to me here is BBC Four. I mean, it's by no means the most popular channel. Uh, no. on the bbc but it's not really the death of bbc4 right it's the death of it on ter- on on brought on freeview and on cable this is the problem like cbbc you could make the argument that parents are a bit younger they're a bit more savvy they're used to finding stuff on the lo- online kids of that age are very used to youtube can easily find stuff on cbbc and iplayer if they want to that makes sense bbc4 is an older skewing uh channel that is um, I wouldn't say exclusively, but at least in part watched by people who aren't perhaps the most technical. They're um, normal people who have um, an interest in documentaries and things of that nature. You know, I will uh, just so throw out there that go. BBC Four is my favourite channel and I would get rid of all other BBC channels before BBC Four. I mean, that is a perfectly reasonable statement. I think, you, I think you'll find a lot of people are probably very passionate about BBC4. I think they're going to struggle to shut it. Um, but they're not I shutting think, it, are they? It's just well, they're going to stream it online. It online. But, yeah, but that's not the same. And that has just been proved by BBC3. So I don't know what's going I mean, obviously, I do know what's going on here. This is... Uh, you can't even play the rant music, can you? No. Well, not at <laughs> This was... This was, <laughs> this was always the plan, is, you know, the more you starve the BBC of money, the more it has to cut, the worse it ends up looking in the eyes of the public. I've already seen tweets from people going, oh, shutting CBBC, oh, well, I'm gonna, not going to pay my licence fee anymore, that's one of the things I like most. It, you know, it doesn't matter that it's going online. People don't see that, they don't care. All they see is that the thing that they use and trust to keep their children happy during the day is going to be going somewhere else and not in a way that they're necessarily they're happy using um you know bbc4 a lot of people who use that are the heartland conservative voters i would say you know the people who listen to radio 4 um and you know that that's a that's a bad move that that just reinforces what everyone's been told that bbc is a bad value for money now i don't i can't blame them for any of this it's not their fault it's the same as it isn't their fault that the license, free license for the over 75s went away. You know, that was a decision by the government not to continue funding it. And also, I will say, a lot of over 75 year olds are a lot richer than a lot of 25 year olds. So this constant wanging on about that really winds me up. Uh, anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of other stuff happening as well. They want to, they've got an ambition to reach 75% of. Uh, BBC viewers through iPlayer each week. Um, you know, there are, there are a few bits and bobs in here that, um, you know, well, would can change one local out? journalism. Yes, of course you can. Can I pick one out here? Um, the uh, requesting Ofcom remove regulatory restrictions on iPlayer to expand box sets and archive content. That, to me, seems very, very smart because yep. iPlayer is sort of in competition with itself in a way because or rather it's hobbled by its own um what am i trying to say here basically it 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 could put all the content that we all want on it but the only reason it can't is because there is an existing regulatory stipulation that it has to only live on demand for a set period of time and then has to go and there's currently nowhere else for it to go 
under the same model as the iPlayer. That's why partly why we have BritBox here, um, which I do really like, although don't use, which maybe that means I don't really like it. I don't know. Um, I like, you like the, the idea of it. I like the idea of it. I'm not going to pay for it, though. Yeah, exactly. Whereas iPlayer, uh, lots of stuff on there, but it's the archive content. There is so much stuff on uh, uh, that the, the BBC and others have made that is available nowhere certainly nowhere legitimately um old episodes of things like dragon's den just pulling one yeah. popular thing out the out of the air or, or, like, or, or eastenders like you know what you know why can't you watch every single episode of eastenders yeah it's stuff like that you know. and there are other issues on occasion to do with rights and and, and what have you but those notwithstanding yeah when dragon's they, den's not owned by the bbc that's a terrible example so i know uh, fair but you know what I'm saying here is that there are there are issues that could be very yeah. easily resolved. So, well, also some... I, I will I'll give you a bit of historical context as well. The BBC was forced into shutting a lot of its own production down because there you know there was a a, a furore again in the 80s or 90s where which resulted in producer choice, which meant that um, BBC would use a certain amount of. Um, third-party production and that's supposed to be good that's supposed to stimulate the economy but that results in things like spooks not being owned by the bbc but being owned by whatever they're called endemol or whoever it is i think it's endemol you know that is that is problematic and i think if you want the bbc to compete as that stupid bint says with netflix um then your solution to that has got to be well then the BBC needs to tighten up its how it how it deals with programming, and it needs to move away from that model where it's only licensing things. And if the BBC commissions something, it has to own the rights to it. Um, and that, you know, there might be maybe they cut production companies into some of the profit or something. But if the BBC was ever to try and make Netflix, it wouldn't be able to because it doesn't own a lot of the stuff that people want to watch. And you'll see that when you see stuff on Netflix. Like I, I can't remember. I watched something. Well, um, I was going to throw something in here yeah, because go, go. there is. I just watched the Prehistoric Planet series on Apple TV Plus, which is a co-production, and it's BBC Natural History Unit that makes it. It's David Attenborough doing the voiceover. It's basically Planet Earth three, although it's more of a prequel. It's more like Planet Earth minus one sort of thing. Um, it is without question one of the best things I've seen on Apple TV. Nice. It is definitely one of the most enjoyable documentaries I've seen this year. Um, photorealistic dinosaurs. It's basically yeah, the, the my son's animation. Very keen. The animation team that designed that, that did a lot of the work on it is the same team that did uh, the Lion King, the photorealistic Lion oh, King. Oh, really? Uh, and I'm not kidding. It is. It is so so good that the visuals is probably the best CGI I've ever seen. Um, and the fact that it is also David Attenborough is another thing. So yeah. slight side plug for that. It's only five episodes. We watched them all this week. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, but it just made me think, well, that is a, you know, it's a big budget production. It's got Apple obviously behind it, but it's still BBC Natural History Unit. Oh, they're you know. the best at what they do. That's why. It's the same. I, I, I said so why can't start... the BBC make more money that way? They could. I mean, that is a, that is a dis- distinct possibility. I mean, it's a very well recognised brand. It could do extremely well. I, you know, iPlayer could be launched globally. Um, if it, if the license fee goes away, why not? Like, if that's if because it's the license fee payer that holds that back. It's the fact that the BBC can't 
do a lot of the stuff that it does in the UK outside it because it's seen as a you know license fee is funding it. So if the license fee goes away, then yeah, why not have iPlayer as a global subscription service? I imagine it would be phenomenally popular, um, and, and maybe that is the answer. Maybe that will bring in far more revenue than the um, the license fee does. I still don't agree with it because fundamentally, I believe that the public service remit of the BBC is more important than that. Um, and you know, it's th- there is there's so much expertise at that company it, it, it's such a shame it, you know like you said the natural history unit is is one of the best it's probably the only thing of its kind like a lot of people have tried to make natural history documentaries and they and a lot of them are very good but they're not they they somehow lack that thing that magic that the bbc brings and i i think it's i think it's true of you know things like radio as well like this you know the uh, the amazing fact that BBC Radio sounds better than literally every commercial broadcaster and is set up in a way that's far more competent, I would say. You know, there's so much to it. And, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit and it's not really what this particular thing is all about. But I think it's a a great shame that we've come to this point, really. Okay, so Devil's Advocate. Um, I remember we talked a lot about when BBC Three was being moved online. Uh, being iPlayer only and we talked yeah. about all the great things that came out of BBC Three um, relatively great things um, that, that is to say things that are popular that people enjoy but as we've mm. said before you can't trust people they'll watch any old crap well, but there is some I, decent I, stuff that I, came out of BBC players can I finish? Yes, uh, of course okay I finished <laughs> have you actually finished? no um, we talked about that and then it went back to terrestrial so yeah. y- you know maybe maybe this is just this is just going through the motions and eventually in you know two years time we'll have this conversation again on episode 377 about how oh isn't it great bbc4 is coming back to terrestrial but the fact <laughs> yeah. is i don't care where it's being broadcast because i personally like and like a lot of people don't have any kind of terrestrial tv i no, have I a broadband connection well, and everything is on demand or if it is being streamed it's being streamed via something like the iplayer um so it doesn't matter that it's going off all i care is that there is money being put into the productions themselves that are being made available and from what i can tell from this announcement that's not going away at least not directly so in a sense i mean it won't affect me and therefore may not affect people listening to this sort of a show they they will they will fight to keep the things going i mean you know, the, the usual stuff of cost savings has been mentioned. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, there's sure there's plenty of middle managers at the BBC that aren't strictly necessary. Um, but again, I'm reluctant to say that because I think the operation runs very well for actually quite a small sum of money. Like, you might not think that the best part of three billion quid is a little amount of money. But if you, you know, imagine what Netflix is bringing in, you know, it's kind of like it's probably that's probably a month for Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, but look at the yeah, but look at what happened to Netflix. It's tanking now and it's having to cut back. So yeah. just you know, stick with it, BBC. Um, I have another yeah. thought though. Yes, um, go on. I've recently really got into a show on BBC um, called Antiques Road Trip. Okay, um, yeah, it's a great concept. What it is is two 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 antiques experts get uh, much like you and you and I um, <laughs> get given three hundred pounds yeah. and they travel around a part of the UK buying uh, antiques and then at, at the end of each episode they auction the antiques and then their total money 
assuming they make a bit of profit on each of them, goes into the next episode with which they buy more antiques and so forth. And they do that over five episodes until someone makes the most money. Now, if you just made all TV programs a bit like that, then you could actually have the shows themselves working to fund the BBC. <laughs> yeah, because they well, you know, they end up buying the Mona Lisa or something. Yeah. And it's a bit like that thing that... where you start off with a pen and you end up getting a house. Yeah, I mean, there's a few steps in between. Well, but sure, yeah. yeah. But it's like question mark, question mark, and then profit. Yeah. Just do, <laughs> yeah. Just, just, sure. just do that. Just be, just be better. Yeah. Um, go on, Ian, final thoughts. Um... I'm just uh, gripping stuff. Um, well, I'm I'm just kind of I'm just kind of frustrated. You know, I think I think some of this makes sense. I think some of it doesn't make sense. Uh, maybe, th- like you said, the reason some of it doesn't make sense is because it won't actually end up happening. There'll be sufficient petitions to save CBBC that they'll give in and go, okay, fine. And BBC Four could probably survive online. And Radio Four Extra is unnecessary arguably and shutting down medium wave like and there must be a big saving from killing off those transmitters and not not using medium wave or long wave anymore um so yeah you know i mean maybe they'll do it through just moving to the 21st century a bit more um i just i'm worried Mm. well if you're worried let us know you hello at uktechshow.com um be good to get some feedback and opinions on this ian and i it's one of these topics where we broadly agree with everything each other says, which doesn't necessarily make for the most diverse conversation. So if you do have a contrary view, feel free to fling it into the mix so we can um, debate it on next week's show. Hello at UKTechShow.com. couple of bits of feedback i wanted to get to here um christian emailed in after hearing us talk about uber's subscription model the other week and uh that's coming to the uk we'd asked if anyone in the us had used it and if so let us know whether we should consider using it when it launches here uh christian says hello ian and nate i am a united states of america native currently living in the heartland alabama and i would like to speak for all americans when i say that no the uber subscription is not worth it Side note, I appreciate the segment regarding penguins. It has been far too long since Tech Podcast has covered Antarctica's national animal, yet I did find the actual story somewhat cruel since it's known that the reason one doesn't normally see penguins in Great Britain is because they are scared of whales. <laughs> Lol. Such Lol. a good email. Very good joke. Very good email. Thank you, Christian from Alabama. Um, Craig wrote in with an extremely nerdy email, which means oh, we I love have this one. to, which means we have to read it. Um, it's in response to something that was on our on the full version of the show last week that Patreons heard um, regard, <laughs> regarding HDMI cables. Uh, in fact, do you want to read this in because you talked most <laughs> sure. about HDMI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not familiar with HDMI specifications, but in the data center world, I work in the high performance computing industry, the length of a passive copper cable is very limited. At 200 gigabits per second, cables are limited to two meters, which is just about long enough for a run within a rack. Beyond that, the more expensive fiber cables are required. I've changed job and I'm not working with rack layouts anymore. Uh, but as we go to 400 gigabits and 800 gigabits per second, uh, that two meter limit is expected to get even shorter. Kind regards. Craig W. Brilliant email. 
it's exactly the kind of email that I love receiving, which yep. is incredibly specific, very, very nerdy, and yet somehow genuinely interesting, um, which we should really print that on some napkins and give them out <laughs> to people who listen to this podcast. Um, thank you, Craig. Thank you, Christian. Let's have a quick listen to what's been happening in the wider world of Tom Merritt, uh, or rather the wider world of tech via Tom Merritt. Really ruined this uh, link. So you want to have another crack at it? There's just no point. Let's just, I can see Tom Wayne. You could end up cutting it anyway. Here he is. Oh, hello. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Erin Carson shares her findings on whether tech will wipe out humanity. It's a definite maybe. But there's some hope that tech could save us from tech. Aaron does a good job of explaining it. Also, we play judge on two potentially useful implementations of NFTs. One is for booking a hotel. We dig into why Microsoft gets to track you on the DuckDuckGo browser when nobody else does. Document a significant step toward widespread air taxis. And Allison Sheridan helps us figure out how to pick a trustworthy VPN. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you very much, Tom. Uh, insightful week in tech news this week um that's it in we're done i think we'd like to thank thank people for listening thank you for listening and if you listen live double thanks for putting up with the technical shambles that it turned out to be we'll fix that i found an app yeah we have had a little problem with the the live show this week hopefully it's still been massively entertaining as i believe it always is um but uh, nonetheless thanks to everyone no matter how you're listening free patron um well they're the only two options so it's one of those two um and we hope you have a rather lovely week we'll catch you next week bye-bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.